Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the July 14th episode of Poets and Muses. We chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen Arate. You can follow us on poetsandmuses.com or on Instagram, Twitter, as well as SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at either the bottom of poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With us today is Herman Piedrahita. He will be discussing with me his poem, My Clone, and my poem, Ode to My Heater. Before we do that, however, I'm going to go over all the poetry events taking place in the Valley during the week of July 15th. On Monday, July 15th, from 8 to 10 p.m., Savannah Lutman and Phoenix Fiber Events will be hosting their second summer service open mic at Thirst Space, which is at 1028 Grand Avenue in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. On Tuesday, July 16th from 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting its weekly poetry writing workshop at the Chandler Community Center, which is at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. On Wednesday, July 17th from 6 to 8 p.m., Trans Queer Pueblo and Palabras Bookstore will be hosting their Creatures of Our Dreams writing group for trans and queer POC at Palabras Bilingual Bookstore, which is at 1738 East McDowell Road in Phoenix. For more information about this workshop, you can email info at palabrasbookstore.com. That's info at P-A-L-A-B-R-A-S bookstore.com. As this is also the last day to sign up for July's Pocket to Me open mic on Saturday, July 20th, you can also send an email to info at palabrasbookstore.com to sign up. From 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., Rosemary Dombrowski will be hosting the first of a three-part microprose and prose poetry workshop that's called The Art of Writing Concisely. This will be taking place at Changing Hands Phoenix at 300 West Camelback Road. From 7.30 to 9 p.m., Lacuna Cavabar will be hosting its weekly open mic night at Lacuna Cavabar, which is at 831 North 3rd Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. On Thursday, July 18th from 7 to 9 p.m., Long Known Publishing will be hosting its weekly Phoenix Poetry Slam at The Lost Leaf, which is at 914 North 5th Street in Phoenix, be sure to get there by 6.50 to participate. From 7.30 to 9 p.m., District 4 Poetry will be hosting its monthly poetry open mic at Jared's Coffee, Tea, and Gallery at 154 West Main Street in Mesa. And signing up to get on the mic will start at 7 p.m. From 8 to 11 p.m., Quinton Oni will be hosting his weekly open mic at Jobot Coffee and Bar at 333 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. On Friday, July 19th, from 7 to 11 p.m., Cleopatra and the Good Life will be hosting organic poetry at the Unexpected Art Gallery, which is at 734 West Polk Street in Phoenix. 
On Saturday, July 20th, from 9:30 a.m. to 12 p.m., the East Valley Poets will be hosting its monthly short program and open reading at the Tempe Pile Center, which is at 655 East Southern Avenue in Tempe. From 7 a.m. to 1 p.m., Laura Mayer will be leading a workshop called "Consider the Body: The Poetics of Disease and Health." Which will be taking place at Piper Writers House at 450 East Tyler Mall in Tempe. From 6 to 9 p.m., Pocket to Me Open Mic will be taking place at Palabras Bilingual Bookstore at 1738 East McDowell Road in Phoenix. And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week, Herman Piedraita. Hi, Herman. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hi, Imogen. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, you brought to us today your poem, "My Clone." Before we get into that, I would love for you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. I started writing poetry probably in my teens. I was introduced at. I think it's. I have to give credit to my eighth grade English teacher、mm-hmm. for introducing me to Langston Hughes.、Oh, yes. um, and I think that's what woke、mm-hmm. that desire. In high school, I think it was The Doors. Actually, watching The Doors and watching Jim Morrison write poetry,、oh, wow. and I think that pretty much solidified it. I've been writing on and off for the last twenty some years,、mm-hmm. and I would say the last two or three things happened in my life that basically made me pay attention to what I was doing and, and do a little bit better. And I'm working a lot harder on the craft and learning, and basically I'm on the steep. Learning curve of the poetry world, and then in, in the rest of my life, in the real <laughs> life, I work as a traffic engineer. Okay, cool.、So. Is that? I wasn't sure if you meant for the airport or for the streets. Oh, okay,、yes. okay, that's what you meant. Okay, thank you for clarifying that because whenever people say engineering, and I don't think a lot of the public realize how many different kinds of engineers people can be, and what different branches of studies that involve. As well. So yes, mainly transportation. So、okay. I, I've worked mostly in the Southwest. I've been lucky、mm-hmm. enough to kind of travel around a little bit,、mm-hmm. and you know, work in Texas and Colorado and Utah. Okay. But, but mostly Arizona. Okay. You said you came to poetry when you were in eighth grade, which is what, like fourteen, sixteen, something like that. About. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And Jim Morrison. I don't know why. I never thought of him as a. Poet. I just probably don't know him very well. Yeah, and it, well, and I can't say that I studied him a lot, but <laughs> I think it's the movie came out when I was about a sophomore. Okay. In high school, and and that's why we were hooked. Okay. And he did carry around a journal and wrote poetry. And okay. Granted, he was pretty high most of the time. <laughs> so. For some people, that works well. <laughs> yes, for some people, it wake others just go to sleep.、Um, yeah. But yeah. he he did. He wrote a lot of poetry and. Obviously, the lyrics to all their music. Right, right. And yeah, so that I think that like just wanting to be cool. Uh huh. Uh-huh. He was like the cool guy. You're talking about the Val Kilmer movie, yes, right? Yes. Okay. Meg Ryan too. Yeah, that's right. I yeah, forgot that was right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I actually saw the movie. It's it's a really good movie. Yeah. We can rent it here. <laughs> yeah. I remember we were in boarding school. I went to a boarding school in, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Okay. And so there was usually twelve to sixteen boys. Per home,、mm-hmm. and I guess I don't know how we got a hold of the movie, but we watched it, and I guess it was okay, and we 
it wasn't kept from us. Right, right. It wasn't racy, was it? I don't remember. No, but then no, I don't the, remember the drugs it, so. and the, I think oh, it was yeah. sex, but maybe it was right, PG-13 right. sex, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it was anything, not even B-movie sex. <laughs> no. But it, yeah, I just remember, it's funny, the guy that I watched it with and, and probably made the biggest impact, he's a professor. Oh, really? Like, I believe the university is Stony Brook. Stony Brook? Stony Brook? Yeah. Yeah, New York. I'm yes. Say, yeah, New he's, York, a, yeah. he's a professor. He's an activist. Oh, wow. Cool. And so we lost touch. We just recently sort of reconnected through Facebook, and like he actually went and did what we were talking about doing. Oh, really? Whereas I took cool. a different path. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool that, to see that we both had that that love and that desire and Mm -hmm. and we both are chasing it in our own way right right so were you living in Hershey at a time or were you sent from here to Hershey so I bounced around quite a bit I'm originally from Colombia South America and I came to the States in 84 to New York City and I lived in New York City up until I think it was about four years and then I went to Hershey Pennsylvania for five years and then we moved to Arizona. Oh, wow. I'm actually from New York as well. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. We lived in Queens. Did you see uh, Coming to America? Yes. So I lived in that neighborhood. (laughs) So every time I see that, because that's when I lived there in 87, 88. Okay. So I was probably walking across the street when they were filming and they were... Wow. Well, which neighborhood was it? I don't remember. Elmhurst. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's Grand Avenue and is it Union Turnpike or Queens Boulevard? That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, now that you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I remember yeah. that. <laughs> so, yeah, so I lived there and I lived a little bit. We moved to Kew Gardens, and mm-hmm. right about then is when I went to Hershey. We were thinking about getting something in Kew Gardens. It was cute, but somebody beat us to it. So. Yeah, it's a nice neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, it's more beefy. Right? Yes, yeah. yeah. So. And I want to say, it, at least, I haven't been back a lot. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been back to Hershey. I haven't been back to New York since I left. Yeah. Do you still have family there? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't been back since 91. Wow, so that's I, a long time. Yeah. Jeez. I want to go back. I just, I haven't gotten there. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of places in the world, right? So. Yeah. But if you have family, sometimes you kind of want to. The vacation structure is here. I don't know about you, but two-week standard, it's kind of hard to see your family and trying to relax at the same time. And I think that's what it was. I kind of made a choice along the way. When I had vacations, I would go to Columbia. Mm. And now there's kids involved, Mm -hmm. so we have to do what, you know, it's more like Legoland or the beach. Which part of Columbia, by the way, if you don't mind? No, not at all. I was born in Cali, which is towards the south. Okay. What is Cali known for? Sugarcane is huge down there. Okay. Salsa is huge. Really? The dance. Oh, I Uh, love salsa. Yeah. I haven't done salsa in ages. I I haven't either. (laughs) Are there places here? There must be. There used to be a lot. So before when I moved here in 92, Mm -hmm. I would say probably... Close to like 2000, I, there were a lot of places that we knew of. Okay. I haven't gone dancing or anything in so long, but yeah, yeah. I, I have to kind of relearn, so. <laughs> and ballroom salsa is so different than yes. salsa, just yeah. at a party or something. And I forget which is ballroom break on two or break on one. I forget. Whatever ballroom does, I do the other one. <laughs> Basically, so it's really confusing. I am most comfortable in the less dance in a circle or whatever, and they just clown. You know, that, that's, that's where I, that's my moves. So. Right. Well, that's what partying is all about, right? Yeah. It's sort of like dancing is really just an excuse for courtship. 
in a way, That's basically. True. Yeah. And because here, Arizona is more populated by Mexicans and people of Mexican origin, so the dancing is totally different. And it salsa is. is not really one of the dances. Well, even cumbias, because cumbias traditionally come from Colombia. Oh, really? As well. Okay. But there's Mexican cumbias, and they're faster. Oh. And they, the, the dance is a lot faster. I don't know how to dance that. I know how to dance the traditional cumbias, which mm-hmm. is the folkloric dancing. Mm-hmm. I, I know how to dance that, and I know some of the history of that, but I don't know how to dance the Mexican cumbias. Okay. I so. didn't even know cumbia come from folk dancing. Yeah, so okay. it was basically the African slaves dancing okay. in the beaches at okay. night, and that was the music, or at least that was where it came from. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Wonderful to learn that. And so I guess uh, we should probably get to your poem, yes. My Clone. Would you like to read that for us? Sure. Do you want me to set it up or just um, dive right in? If you want, you can read it and then we can talk about it or you okay. can set I'll, it up whichever you prefer. Okay, I'll read it. My Clone. My Clone has a full set of hair and is a few inches taller. Surely this is a mistake. They told me he would be the same yet he has confidence to train cats. The wife laid green eyes on him. When I looked up, green doves flew away. And what of his SATs being 35% higher than mine? Who will the dogs I barely like wag uncontrollably for? Will his headphones break one ear at a time? What of my sons and their greatest dad? What of the soul? Where will I go when my clone fucks me out of my bed? Whose organs will be harvested? There are places in Asia, decommissioned ships, average lifespan, 26 years, are sent to die. Picked, torched, cut, here, there, then sold, organ puzzle pieces, perhaps not ever touching salt again. We mortals perfectly correcting nature, Nature will bring back its perfect imperfections. I don't ask questions for answers. I built sandcastles in the surf. Thank you. Thank you. So this time, as with last time that I heard it, I love the self-deprecating humor in it. If you don't mind sharing why you decided to write it. So I've been challenging myself. Most of the writing that I do is I write from what I know. So I write several types of poems. I'm writing either about wounds or grief mm-hmm. experience. And for me, it's a way of processing mm-hmm. and exploring mm-hmm. those feelings. Or I write about being an immigrant mm-hmm. or the life of an immigrant. Mm-hmm. This one was a little different. This one mm-hmm. brought out more of my sarcasm and, <laughs> like you said, self-deprecating humor. And it really just came about... I think I was watching the news, and there's a whole um, timeline of this cloning mm-hmm. thing, or what do you call it, I, I don't know, science. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some news that sparked in January, and I don't remember the specific mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And so I heard this, and it, it actually took me back to a conversation I had with my roommate in college, probably in 96, 97. Okay. And I remember... I was all excited about it, and I was all pro-cloning, let's clone. Mm-hmm. I think that's around the time of Dolly, okay. the sheep. Yeah, and so yeah. we, we were having that discussion. And God, it's 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> that's Well, that's what, when I looked at the timeline of, of what's happened, uh-huh. on one hand, I'm surprised we, there's probably people that are not reporting what they're doing mm-hmm. and probably doing something outside. You know, they, I don't know if that's a conspiracy theory, but there has to be people that are 
Well, there, there's just this controversy involving a Chinese scientist who was doing, he had fooled around with the genes of uh, embryo of kids who were just born. Was were they born? Yeah, I believe they were born. That And that might have been the news because yeah. up until now yeah. it started out with just maybe sheep uh-huh. and then it was smaller animals and it, why? Like, there's so many questions. Right. My roommate in college, the thing that stuck with me, which is sort of in the poem, is it, what of the soul? You know, mm. we both have this Catholic background, mm. and you do, you believe that there's something more than just these bones and this flesh, and my thought is always, you can Frankenstein a bunch of meat that has all the right organs in the right mm-hmm. places, mm-hmm. but will it spark life, you know? And mm-hmm. There's just a lot of questions that pop in my head when the clone thing right. comes into mind, and for me, the easiest way was to go in and say, what is, mm-hmm. what if I had a twin, you know? Right. And of course, I'm implying in the poem that we're both living at the same time, right. close to the same age, right. but if this were to really happen, the clone could be one year old, and I'm here in my mid-40s. Yeah, and they don't necessarily have to obey the laws of human gestation or whatever you call that. So right. that was the other thing I was looking at is, and I know there's a science behind it, but mm-hmm. my sarcastic nature was like, why the fuck would you clone something that you could produce in a hundred days? You, know, like, <laughs> you could put two sheeps and I think the gestation or, or mm-hmm. pregnancy length is 150 days. Oh, is it really? Like you couldn't wait 150 days. You had to go through this whole, but of course there's more to it. Right. But we've been doing that to everything we eat, basically. That's how we have industrial crops right now because we kind of select and this is even before the talk of genetic modifying because we have been basically all of our agricultural lives or even i guess hurting like anything that involves the production of food for human beings we've done some kind of modifying now it's more on a microscopic level right but so it's interesting that it's now becoming an issue obviously because and also given the news that just came out was going out with all these species basically dying million species dying because of the lack of diversity in the ecosystem it's really shocking because we've done this obviously so that we could have more productive crops more productive animals for feed for our consumption but now it's kind of coming back to haunt us by nature, we're curious mm-hmm. creatures, and we have that in common with cats or any mm-hmm. animal. You know, we're curious, yeah. and maybe we have that sense that we want to go a little farther, but we also have greed. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the danger is that some of these things can be used for good, but at some point, someone's going to think, I could do something else with this. Yeah. And also, even if we're not talking about Dr. Evil or anything like that, even if we're just doing it for the good, we still don't know the long-term effects. A lot of the FDA studies, they don't do transgenerational. They don't do incredibly uh, long longitudinal studies. So it's kind of difficult to know exactly how it's going to affect us decades later. You know, right. There was just a report recently I just read. It's a small study, so they need to do more studies on that. So chemical sunblocks apparently gets into your bloodstream. So all of these naysayers who've been using mineral sunblocks actually was doing <laughs> kind of protecting themselves. So it was, again, a very small study, but still it makes you think about all of these 
things that do have side effects that we don't think about because we don't have either out of necessity we need the cure right away or right. or just impatience. The one thing that that kind of struck me was some time ago within the last couple of years I, I saw I want to say it was on CNN but I don't know where it probably was Facebook something mm-hmm. but they had a picture of what fruit and vegetables look like like a hundred years ago. Oh yeah, or, I saw that. And yeah. It's so interesting, and that's when you realize how much we mess with things along the way. And it was for the greater good, right? Mm. Well, Um, not even. It's more for marketing. Those things, like whether or not a fruit looks good, because they present the best looking. Sometimes they put dyes on fruit, salmon, because wild salmon is almost farmed to extinction. So they're using either rainbow trout or farm salmon that has a different coloring so then they dye it pink in fact that's one of the lines in one of my poems that has nothing to do with salmon fishing <laughs> but oh it has a look yeah 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 this this look this appealing to the eyes sometimes to the detriment of the taste i think i, I probably saw the same thing you did yep and also read up some on some things on the site versus taste which one they appeal to and it's because like supermarkets they have to and they throw away so much that's the sad thing is i remember there was a place where we would go get this seaweed salad Uh and it was so good and so refreshing Mm -hmm. and you would eat it and you would see like the streak of green on your plate on your fork yeah we quit buying it because it's just yeah green dye you don't realize it I moved recently, so I don't really know where else to source it anymore. But I used to source undyed seaweed because I love seaweed. So, me too. <laughs> yeah. So you might need to go to like a wholesaler or something at to this be able point. To get yeah, it. yeah. For somebody like you who has a family, it's easier, right? Because you can buy wholesale and it works. Sam clubs kind of things are things that like work for organs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine going into a Walmart and picking out your new liver? Walmart would totally sell that. <laughs> they <Come> totally on. <laughs> would. Cadaver bones for your future surgery, you know, for they can use as pens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is one of the reasons that human cloning has been able to go on in some ways, right? Or even organ cloning from pigs, for instance, because they're kind of one of our closest genetic relatives, which is kind of funny. Is it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of want a pet pig. I keep <laughs> hearing how smart they are. Yeah, they are supposed to be very, very smart. It's, and they yeah. eat everything just like us. So. Yes, they do. <laughs> We're actually just pigs in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> but your particular poem, well, this is the third version, right, basically? This is about the third version, yes. Right. So, so originally, yes, there's the self-deprecating um, just kind of questioning, what if I have this double? At some point, what are we competing for? Mm-hmm. And yes, what if he ends up being better than me? <laughs> you know, I have very short fuse, especially mm-hmm. if I'm not sleeping well. I have right, no right. patience. Right. What if they make him with more patience than me? <laughs> so there's that, right? We, we have to explore. Their, their, their neurosis in me just went with that. Right. And then as, as the poem develops, I start thinking about, yes, who's here to get their organs harvested and that's when the image or the idea came in of these ships that are basically grounded in Asia Uh and picked apart Uh and then basically sold for pieces not necessarily for other shipping needs but basically the steel and everything is just chopped up and sold yeah yeah and yeah when do you stop because 
if you have a human being, a whole human being, there's only so much you can take yeah. before you're basically murdering mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this being. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of t- touched on that before we began the recording, and it's really interesting to see whether or not they... I doubt they would be able to go the route where they're actually cloning a whole being and then sort of chopping up this person for parts. At the same time, we are currently developing clone organs specifically for transplant. And I don't personally find anything wrong with that because there are just too many people who need transplants and not enough donors and not enough matches because that's one of the problems. Rejection is a huge problem. And it's wasteful because then that's an organ that could have gone to somebody else who needed it. Right. But I think you brought up a lot of really interesting questions. And I really enjoyed that this version that you sent me as well, because I've seen all three versions now. And, and there are some visual aspects of it that unfortunately we can't really see. Can you tell me what made you decide to put these spaces in within lines? So it's basically my lack of knowledge of grammar. So, <laughs> no, I, so, I say that, but I, but I adopted that. I don't use punctuation a mm-hmm. lot. I did 20 years ago. So when I'm trying to resurrect some of these poems, I really struggle whether to strip all punctuation. Mm-hmm. But I really like using the page. I, I really like introducing Sejura. Basically, the whole page is possible. I, I, I mean, this one is all mostly left justified, mm-hmm. but it does have the spaces where I want to pause or I want to do some kind of basically a balancing act from one line or one word to the next. Right, um, right. That's my happy place, playing uh-huh. with words and playing with the lines to do that. Right, right. So that was probably a lot of my revisions. I did move around some of the stanzas. Right. Try to group things a little bit better. Yeah. But most of it was just finding some breath, putting some air into it that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you find that, I, I'm not sure if I heard the spaces when you were reading them. Do you find that it, it makes you read differently? It does slow me down. Okay. It reminds me to, to pause a little right, bit better. Right. I'm getting a lot better about reading in public. Mm-hmm. I put myself out there as, as a punishment probably at first. <laughs> now I enjoy it. And, uh-huh. and little by little, it's, it's easier. So I'm, I do it a little bit more. I'm more effective at it. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if not, I would run on you know, you tend oh, really? to read really fast when you're nervous, or at least I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that also kind of helps me. Oh, that's good. I'm starting to use some brackets. I'm starting to use some of the other symbols. Right, but, right. But not punctuation. Yeah, yeah. I don't use a lot of question marks. In this one, I have some. Mm-hmm. I actually probably don't have them. No, I do consistently on the questions that are there. Mm-hmm. But I, I do. I like working plain in the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And even in the first version, I saw that, you know, you have some visual elements like the bracket where you were talking about we're trying to perfect nature. And nature basically overrides us in some ways, in ways that we don't expect, especially. Yeah. Yeah. So I like, because I do, I kind of tend to think I'm all over the place. And for the most part, I usually get back to where I start or where I Mm -hmm. diverge. Mm -hmm. But I do kind of bounce around, and I actually like that. I'm comfortable with that. So I'm trying to keep my otherwise distraction in the poem Mm -hmm. and just basically changing maybe the tone. Uh And and that kind of helps me realize, okay, there's like a tone here change or a different idea where I'm doing a parallel. Right. And that one to me was important because it's kind of checking back. Mm-hmm. In the in the sarcasm and then the part about the ships, but 
the reality of it is we can mess around with this all we want. Yeah. It's yeah. going to come back. It's, <laughs> it's going to level out. Yeah. Yeah. And true. Kind of like climate change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we can mess with it, but it's going to get us back. Yeah, it is. It is. Because part of it is that it's such a complex system, right? It's, and we are just, no matter how smart we think we are and how many things we know, we just know such a tiny percentage of all there is to know just about this particular planet. <laughs> you know, it, we run the gamut of intelligence, right? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and every day we come across very intelligent people. But the reality of it, as a, as a group, as human beings, we're really stupid. Because <laughs> we think we have it all together. We think we run everything. And, uh-huh. and here we are disregarding things that have been happening for hundreds of thousands, millions of years. Yeah. And, you know, we're this fraction of a second in the whole span of time, and we think we rule everything. Yeah, we're very egotistical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do hope, I, I do, I have hope for my kids mm-hmm. that they have more empathy towards others and mm-hmm. towards the world, and hopefully science uh-huh. turns a little bit more responsible about helping and not just taking advantage. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be better to have a more holistic view of things. And like you said, not just take, but also think about giving back and also how to give, maybe giving forward. What do you think of this idea that having children is basically our way, our organic way of genetically modifying ourselves versus what you're talking about, which is more artificial, more deliberate? You know... (laughs) So my oldest son, he's like a year away from being taller than me. Uh-huh. He checks some of these boxes that I have on this poem. <laughs> he's not going to lose his hair like me. The people listening don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not completely bald, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, there's not a lot up there. <laughs> this kid's going to have a full set of hair mm. late into his life, at least as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, we're already doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, that's why we have children in some ways, right? I don't mean that in the psychologically damaging way of parenting, of like living through our children, but actually just by the mere fact of uh, procreating, we're actually creating a modified version of ourselves. And nature is kind of gearing us towards sometimes a better version. I think that's, yeah, because when you think about it, we were also divided, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to talk colors... If you go back even 50 years, there wasn't a lot of mixing, or at least you know, in, mm-hmm. in the in the bigger areas of, of the world, or more, yeah. more populated areas. And now there's, which a lot of people fear this. There's this like equality mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. happening, and maybe that is for the better. Maybe we will look at each other a little better, and not. I mean, we're still human beings, right? We're still right. flawed. We're still going to find out why this person should be lower than this person. Yeah. That's also a scary thing about cloning is eventually the very wealthy people of the world are going to want to take advantage of this. I mean, I think they're already getting pets, right? Yeah. You can clone your dead pet. Oh, God. It's are so, they really? It's I so know creepy. About that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I God. It's like Pet cemetery come true. <laughs> I know. Like, wait. I, even that, I can't totally put my head around. Where do you stop? So we had a 100-pound German Shepherd, mm-hmm. best dog ever. And, uh-huh. and I think back, like, I have these dogs now, and I like them enough, <laughs> but they're just not that bright compared to that. Like, he just set the bar too high. <laughs> so what if we went He ruined got, you. <laughs> yeah, he ruined me. He trained me. 
And so would we clone that or would we clone the fish that we... We didn't flush them down the, the toilet. I was thinking he's actually buried out front in the house in like a okay. Ziploc bag, which the landscaper probably got rid of many <laughs> months ago. But yeah, where do you stop? Yeah, yeah. The divides are not really clear, to be honest. It's very interesting to think about what desire will push us to do, right? And a lot of it is desire, not necessarily need. Right. So it's really interesting. And the economics of it, as you said, because we already know that wealthy people tend to have the better access, especially in this country, but overall, better access to health care. And consequentially, they will live longer and they will live better lives, better quality lives. What they do with it, whether or not they become self-destructive through substance abuse and whatnot, that's another layer that's separate. But, but there's an economy part to it mm-hmm. where, and again, I touch on this, there's organ harvesting, mm-hmm. yeah. but at some point it may be cheaper for somebody that's mass producing organs mm. to get it that way. Yeah, we touched on it before, which is they're now cloning to make an organ that's also customizable to the patient, which is in a way good because then you don't waste as much, hopefully. I think that's where the ideal is. But are people going to be able to, A, achieve that, and also whether or not people are going to actually use it in that benign way? There's a line, I think, and, and maybe that's our own morals draw that line at different places. Mm-hmm. But as you were saying, if it's this individual organ that's going to help someone, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm for that. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I say I think because I'm being cautious. I'm qualifying. Right, right, I'm right. qualifying. But if they're just producing skin for burn victims, mm-hmm. I think that's a great application. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think when you start getting into it is when you start creating maybe whole beans. Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. I think it gets kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. And again, going back to the complexity of it, right? Even if they're just cloning certain organs, if you don't have the entire being that's feeding so many ways into the organ, is that organ as good? As it's Walmart, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so many yeah. questions, this idea. And I love your take on it. You're thinking, obviously, of the whole being, cloning yes. of the whole person. And almost going back to that sort of philosophical question, if you can make yourself over again, how, well, how would you make yourself, right? Because having children in that process, there's a lot of things that you can't control. And that, like they say, you should never have regrets. Mm-hmm. BS. Who doesn't have regrets? <laughs> you know, who wouldn't right. do something? Like, we walk away from an argument mm-hmm. trying to figure out what we should have said after the fact. Yeah, yeah. So what's going to stop us from correcting? And I think that's why I wanted that part about nature correcting itself. Mm-hmm. And frankly, that's the beauty of nature. It's imperfections. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted it into brackets because it comes across as a warning. It mm. comes across as a, a reality check. Right, right, right. So you kind of break the, what is it, third wall, fifth wall? I forget which wall. <laughs> In television lingo, I can't remember. I <laughs> Basically, you're having this very philosophical poem, then suddenly you turn to us, you're like, and did you think about this? <laughs> I looked at the camera. Yeah, exactly, way, yes. exactly. I think it's the fifth wall. Whatever. I gotta look it up. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really loved it. I love your treatment of it because it makes people at first giggle, but then it stays with you and you think about it and you're like, oh, really? What if he or she does replace me in, in bed with my partner? <laughs> right? Yeah, right? It's, 
who's taller and has nice hair. Come on, man. Depending on who's cloning who, you know. That's true. Also. And then you're like, oh my God, this is what she thinks of me. Well, and you know, like how many movies are made already about robots doing things for us? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even that brings up its own ethical questions, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I I think that's the whole gist of it is that that there's really sound and and probably very helpful applications of Mm -hmm. of cloning. Mm -hmm. But I just don't trust humans. It's going to get away from us. (laughs) Somebody's going to decide to do something different. And then we have Kafka. Yeah, 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 basically. Well, The Fly, for instance, talking about old movies, right? The Fly is a perfect example of that. That combination of ego and also ignorance producing this horrific side effect or product. I remember... I shouldn't say stuff like this, but I remember watching The Lost Boys uh-huh, uh-huh. and then just thinking they were so, that's actually around the same time as The Doors probably, but thinking they were so cool that I wanted to be a lost boy. I wanted to be a vampire. <laughs> and then you realize you're wanting to die and live forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, you know, I don't mind the living forever part because there's so much to know, right? I would love to be able to just read every book on the shelf probably take many lifetimes even if we're being discriminating about which books to read so that aspect I always love but having to kill and there's always that that weird thing and there was a more recent movie maybe 10 years ago with William Defoe but starring Ethan Hawke who turned into a vampire and then basically most of the world became vampire and they were running out of food because they need you know so it, it's basically a very human problem. It's yes. basically what we're facing now these yeah. days in a way. But there is that when you're talking about vampires, for instance, that the romanticism is always attached to the having forever life, forever young, the fountain of youth in many ways, you know you die. Mm-hmm. But then what about having to kill in order to live, even though we do do that? Yeah. The honest fact is, but we don't regard it as having to kill people, which is kind of very strange. Wasn't it a Wesley Snipe movie that I think they were trying to skirt the issue and they made synthetic blood? But it wasn't as good? Blade. It was Blade. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So the the synthetic blood is not as good. And also True Blood. Oh, True Blood. You're right. True Blood. I I watched True Blood a little bit. I didn't watch the whole thing, but. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of ridiculousness in that in that particular show, but <laughs> but, yeah. but we've dabbled on things that I mean are not cloning, but we've dabbled all our life on these sort of things, right? We and do, we do. There's already this very big case <laughs> where the Germans wanted a super race and they were trying to do whatever they could, right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, if, if they had cloning, yeah, they already thought that they were. I mean, the blonde, blue-eyed people were the best already. So I'm like, why do you, why do you still need to make them better, right? And yeah. we saw they were awesome already. Why do you? Why it didn't make sense? Just like prejudice doesn't really make sense, yeah. you know, when you think about it in a very rational, logical way. It's something that's very interesting to think about and opens a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to have these conversations en masse. But hey, we're starting, we're starting two somewhere. at a time. Yeah, yes. exactly. And similar to yours, my poem that I selected, I chose it because it's about technology, even though it's like 100-year-old technology. And it's a different effect, but it's still about something artificial, 
that's being used to create something that we crave as human beings. So I'm going to read that, which is Ode to My Heater. When I wrote this years ago, I never thought that it would actually come into play other than just a silly poem that I wrote. So Ode to My Heater. My heater is the theater at the head of the bed. It's warmth preceded by pops and dings and the smell of wet heat, reminiscent of a steam room relaxing my muscles, like elves and magical creatures whose presence night brings bang on the pipes, performing the cacophonous accompaniment music to ghost stories in my brain. I lie there, wrapped in layers of blankets, receiving the heat, like resting on a mother's stomach whose warmth and rumbling lull me to sleep. So good. It took me back to New York. It is a New York poem. It's is very much it? a New York poem because you don't really have it. I mean, there are definitely old buildings here, but this is particularly New York because of the old buildings, pre-war buildings, and the expansion of the pipes and all that noise. And, and that was one of the things is when I got there... There probably still some, but in 84, you still saw those big metal accordion-looking heaters. Yes. No, there's still a lot, actually, because building preservation, historical preservation societies have basically been able to landmark a lot of the older buildings, which I enjoy. I love older buildings with that ornate touches on them. It's just gorgeous to me. Depending on the code, I think some you can you can gut them and completely revamp the inside. I don't know it all that well. But yeah, a lot of them still have those accordion heaters, heaters yeah. and that kind of expand and contract as winter comes and the heat is needed, piping through. And it's just like a bunch of just, you know, goes and beans. It's just, it, you know? It's never quiet, right? No, it's never quiet. Yeah. And, yeah. and I like the way that you put this like secret world behind it with the elves working mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. And it's it, even that, like I could hear the noise from my childhood, just hearing right. and the, yeah. the steam and everything. And there was a moment that I think the poem, I went somewhere else with it when you mm-hmm. talked about the elves and relax. Well, you said first about relaxing and then you go into the elves. And for a moment, I thought the elves were going to be like, relaxing and giving you a massage while you slept but then that's of course kind of creepy <laughs> but the massage is okay but yeah 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 uh, I think it uh, <laughs> it could definitely go weird and sideways <laughs> yeah but because I didn't even know that you were from New York. This is awesome that we actually have this common memory of those heaters and, you know, how steam escaped from it because of the valve and you can turn it. And it's very much that. And it has that. And you can smell it, right? That wet heat. Yes. I knew exactly what you were talking about. (laughs) And, you know, it turns into this almost like Pavlov thing Mm -hmm. where if you hear that noise... You're right. There's like this motherly feeling. You feel mm-hmm. that's embrace. You have this warmth. It, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it took me there. I, oh, good. It was it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, of course, not boarding school because we have to we have to dust those stupid things every single day, and they would really? check them for dust. Really? So that's a different wow. took wow. me there. But the ones in New York were a little friendlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they gave you guys chores. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we get pretty busy. Okay. Which is probably good for a bunch yeah. of teenage boys. Keep them tired yeah, and yeah, busy. Yeah. Was it a single-sex school? No, there were... It, so it's actually... No, Hershey? 
the Hershey's chocolate. Mm. Him and his wife, they couldn't have kids. Oh, okay. And they started a white boy's orphanage. And it kind of grew from there. And then, you know, obviously, I don't I don't fit <laughs> some of those qualifications. So by the time I came around, it, it was basically just to help kids with either missing a natural parent or, or living in inner right. city that, right, that right, right. needed to get out. So, right. so that's why I went there. But, yeah, yeah they kept yeah. us pretty busy. And yeah. I, well, when you said white boys, I was thinking because you're you're pretty light skinned. Yeah. I mean, you, you look like you will tan well, but still, I was just like, how do they still measure this? Yeah. It's really weird. Like whenever that come up, right? Because they're Mediterranean, which you're very Mediterranean actually. Like, so in the, <laughs> I don't I don't even know how to say it. In in the American way of looking at who's white, and you know, yeah. it basically falls in the white category, but it's more olive skin, and, and then it goes with darker shades and stuff. How did they categorize something like that, right? When did they integrate? I don't remember the exact time, but I think first they let in African-Americans at some point. I, mm. Maybe. So the school has been around since 1909, mm. and I don't remember the years. In fact, I have a book that they gave me when I graduated in, mm. in high school, and I haven't read it. So <laughs> I traumatizing. So, you know, well, <laughs> I just didn't get around to it. <laughs> and it's sitting on my nightstand because one of my sons just recently did a, a book report on Mount Hershey. Oh, and so okay. that kid has better facts about the school I went to. <laughs> I have all the stories. I just don't have the facts. I, I want to say around the 50s, they, mm-hmm. they integrated African-Americans probably around the, the same time that things were happening oh, okay. in the country. Yeah. Kind of, if they did it in the 50s, they're actually early. So maybe, yeah, maybe a little early. But girls were not, the first girl was didn't go to the school, I think, until the mid, mid-70s. Mm. So I was there in 87, 88. Mm-hmm. And by then, we had kids from everywhere. Right, okay. So, okay. But yes, we had to dust the heaters. The, <laughs> the, the heaters were in the floor, mm-hmm. down at the bottom, all along the wall. Okay. And we had to dust the top of it and the inside. So uh-huh. it was... Yeah. Those are hard. You, know, you have to have little fingers. Yeah. To dust them. Good dust rags. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they design why. Well, there must be a reason, but it's so weird, right? Because they have all these little openings, and you kind of can't fit your fingers in there, and then they just collect dust, and it gets disgusting. <laughs> so that's one of the things I never did, right? I left the East Coast and all that when mm-hmm. I was when I graduated high school, mm-hmm. and now I maintain parts of our house mm-hmm. and, you know I've changed toilets but I never had to maintain a heater yeah you know I don't know what it looks like I don't know what its guts <laughs> look like but it makes me think also of the ones in New York that can you imagine how many people got burned on those things yeah there's such <laughs> no just, it wasn't like OSHA or anything yeah, right? it's yeah safety yeah. standards and God knows what those steams are actually made of oh, right? yeah. well, <laughs> The mole factor. Oh. <laughs> well, and the thought that it probably connected you more to like everyone else that lived if you lived in an apartment building. Yeah, yeah. You were somehow, you know, switching that air. Yeah. Between all the. Yeah, know. yeah, all that heating vents and stuff. It's really interesting because who knows what the pipes were made of if there was lead or whatnot. And, yeah. You know. None of these things are things that you. That's probably why I'm bald. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I blame that on other things. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of 
building codes we we were growing up that never came into our heads. I mean, you know, it's not really our jobs; it's our parents' jobs to kind of think of those things. But it's kind of crazy, right? What society lets things pass. I mean,、mm-hmm. even now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of the apartment buildings with, you know, I don't know how many apartments were there, but I I figured almost every single apartment had a different nationality. Mm. And you could smell the food walking down the hallways. Yeah, yeah. Smell the people. We all smelled different. Yeah,、know? yeah. I don't mind the food so much. What's wonderful about Elmhurst was that it was、yeah. so very mixed, and you can just get all kinds of food.、And、that's the thing about. I mean, Phoenix. I really like Phoenix because it's quite international in, in people and cuisine. It's grown quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. We, when we moved here in '92, I I didn't want to be here.、Mm. I wanted to leave here from the moment I got here. Oh really? Yeah. And it wasn't until I met my wife, and, and probably even after, it wasn't until my sons came around where I finally decided and said it out loud that this was home.、Mm. But I always wanted to leave. Oh really? I never <laughs> wanted. I was so used to. I don't know. It was probably good. I mean, I come from such a long. Line of immigrants.、Uh-huh. I needed some stability, maybe. Right, right, right. It is such a change, though.、It's, I mean, yeah, yeah. And I keep hearing people tell me who's been here for the, the and you saw it grow, right? From more. Were you always in Phoenix, or were you? T- no,、part? I've been. So I only lived in Phoenix the first year that、oh, we were here,、uh, okay. and then after that, I think I lived a, a short time in Scottsdale. Mm. And then since '94, I've been in Tempe. Okay. So okay. I'm I'm like Tempe true and true. Yeah, and,、um, yeah. Went to ASU. Uh huh. Uh huh. And just haven't left. And、right. I really like what Phoenix has done.、Mm-hmm. I really like how much has changed.、Mm-hmm. And even though I've been gone, God, it's approaching 30 years since since I left New York.、Mm-hmm. I still see that it's not even close to the diversity that you have back there. Yeah, yeah.、And As a ten-year-old, well, say eleven, twelve-year-old kid in New York,、uh-huh. from Colombia, from a tiny little town in Colombia, I could tell the difference between someone from Japan and someone from Korea and for someone from China.、Oh, wow. And to me, that's something I don't know if I can do it as well anymore.、Uh-huh, but to、uh-huh. me, that was a testament to the diversity that I lived in. Yeah. Whereas here. Diversity is having a Hispanic,、uh, an African American, and a white person. You know, and there you go. You have everyone, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah, definitely. The amount of people per each sort of like ethnic group is much smaller here. Absolutely. I mean, it's also like half the population size of New York, right? Like New York is nine million. I think when New York five. Yeah, I think when we moved here, the state had the same population as the city. Oh wow! And so when you figure this is a pretty big state. Yeah,、so. yeah, true, true. Yeah. It's grown so much, and you've seen that change. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's been twenty years, and it, yeah, there's a lot of. There used to be a lot more desert in the city. Hmm. That's、mm-hmm. that's the part that's strange. Yeah, well, the desert still come into my home. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good for you. <laughs> the、uh, dust. No, oh, I mean、yeah. the dust. <laughs> that's the one thing I notice: how dusty, how quickly、uh, it gets. It becomes dusty. I'm just like,、eh, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> And I was never a good duster, so. 
No, there, there's we we back up to a major street and the noise, mm-hmm. the pollution of noise and the pollution of dust and all that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Man, it's it's. Yeah. I can't blame it on the dogs. <laughs> no. As much as I want to. No, no, no. no. Or, or even the human shedding. Right? There's a lot of dust yeah. is just human skin. Oh, it's gross. <laughs> Maybe they can clone human skin that doesn't fall off or die. But no, it's good though because we kind of renew every ninety days. We pretty much all of us we become a new person, new person. Yeah. Well, usually with more errors, copying errors. We basically are copies of ourselves we're every ninety days. A propagation of error, right? Yeah. We start yeah. out okay, and then it just exponentially just yeah. Yeah. Well, entropy. Yes. You can't escape that. <laughs> it's actually in one of my poems, Entropy and El- Enthalpy. Um, and I think I wrote it like soon after, well, around when I was in school, I think I wrote my first version of that poem. I don't remember what it's about, but I remember uh-huh, I was very uh-huh. much in touch with, with those concepts of entropy and enthalpy. Mm-hmm. I know one is about expanding and more becoming more, with expansion, right? Uh, yeah, chaotic. Yeah. Entropy is becoming more chaotic, okay. more kind of like random and messed up. Yeah. <laughs> I have to look them up. I don't yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Do you have all your poems? I do. I So I write sometimes on my phone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I used to write a lot more on paper. I don't know if it's good or bad. So I, I think about it a lot. Mm-hmm. But I do. I write a lot on my phone, and sometimes I talk to it and let it put whatever words. Right. I don't know if she has my accent. So, <laughs> But we seem to understand each other well enough. That's good. My phone, that is. That I'm yeah, 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 yeah. So. <laughs> So I do. I, I pretty much carry my poems everywhere. Right, right. But like your older poems, you have them, in I guess, in journals, or did you scan them in? When I got back into writing and I decided I'm going to do this mm-hmm. and really try to do it right, yeah. one of the things I did is I had to go through all these closets and boxes and try to find my old journals and my old writings. Mm-hmm. And I think it went from a, like a floppy to, you know, the, the next version of the floppies, the small one, the 3.5s. Yeah. And then from mini there. Mini disc. Right? Was it a mini? Yeah. yeah. And then at some point it may have gone on a, on a CD-ROM. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I don't know how, but I, so I found some. Right. And the ones I did and I was able to scan and have like a PDF reader. Mm-hmm. And then I picked out the ones that I thought were good enough because I write a lot. Mm-hmm. I haven't been lately, but I tend to write a lot yeah. in quantity. Yeah. So I write a lot of crap. <laughs> uh, and then there's the gems that kind of. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way, but I lost a whole bunch because they were on floppy. And then I'm just like, where do I even... <laughs> I don't have any machines that could take a floppy anymore. Yeah. Like, how do I access this information? And God knows, like, so many decades later, if these things will actually still produce legible data. Yeah. So I still have some old ones. This is one of the old ones. This is one of the old yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is from the 90s. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so I've dug some up from the 90s as well. Yeah. And I was writing a lot more in college. Mm-hmm. I joke that I used to walk around with the, what is it called? I remember the name of the form. I actually did carry it around for a short period, just not that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, unconditional withdrawal of the university. And I was ready to walk out and just not even keep going. And I, I just wanted to write. Uh-huh. But I was so just 
I just needed guidance because I was going to walk out without help. I was just going to just go right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh-huh. I don't, that would have been an interesting path. I yeah, guess. yeah. So that would have been very interesting. What, Kerouacking? Basically, yeah, <laughs> without the craft. <laughs> you never know, you never know. That's true. I do believe that if you truly want to do something and you apply yourself, you'll get there. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. I feel like with a lot of careers and industries as well, especially in the arts, right, people link them with or sports, people link them with talent or innate abilities rather than practice, which there's plenty of in anything that if you want to reach the pinnacle of any career, you have to practice. And I don't like that people associate talent with the arts or sports because then they think, oh, unless I'm predisposed to certain things, then I'm not going to be able to do this, which is not true. Maybe you won't be the very best if you don't have the innate talent, but if you practice, you can still attain a very good position in that field. So, And I feel like that's also what keeps people from pursuing certain careers, like poetry, for instance. People have this idea of like very ivory tower Kind of thing. It, right. Yeah, so when I was in college and I was reading and I thought I wanted to be a poet, mm-hmm. I thought that you could make a living that way. Mm-hmm. I thought that I could just go poet and, mm-hmm. and money would come and books would sell and mm-hmm. having not published one poem. <laughs> so that's one of the things, although I do, I again, you're not supposed to have regrets, but I have them, so mm-hmm. I wish I would have stuck more with it, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty happy that I'm there now, and I have the maturity right. to understand where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. To be respectful to the craft. Yeah, And, and yeah. respectful to the people that are helping me, too. Yeah. And learn from them. I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where I want to give back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, I'm still learning a lot, but mm-hmm. I want to give back, so I'm, I'm, I'm starting to kind of look for opportunities, too, yeah. to do more. You might want to connect with the Arizona Masters of Poetry, which coach high school kids. I don't know how young they go, but they definitely coach high school kids with poetry writing. So That'd be really yeah, cool. Yeah. But I don't like kids. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. What are the names of your sons again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember right now. <laughs> It's funny because right. your clone is taking care of them. That's it's a right. good way for me to weed out people I don't want to be around. Is <laughs> because I act like I hate my kids. I actually love them. They're the love of my life, and and they bring me so much joy. But I'm also a realist about it. You know, mm-hmm, they, they mm-hmm. kind of fuck up your life, and and for better or for worse, yeah, yeah. I am a different person. Yeah, yeah. They take they take over. They take over. Yeah, yeah. and then suddenly their needs are the most important thing. But yeah. So no, yeah, that that could be something. My son actually, I read him a poem, one of my safe ones, because uh-huh. not everything. I'm not I, gonna I, show him this one yet. About his other dad replacing <laughs> you. <laughs> I may have done parts of it. I talk to myself sometimes, uh-huh. maybe not that often, but he may have heard something along the uh, way. Okay. There's that one line in there though. I'll probably take out if I show it to him. <laughs> so I I wrote a poem about New York. Okay. Um, and it was about the working title or something it was like companions, uh-huh. and it talked about basically the things I remembered, and it mentioned uh-huh. the Rockettes and the buildings and the diversity and uh-huh. all these things. And I've never seen the Rockettes. You never did. No. I saw them once. Oh, really? Yeah, that was one thing that my parents were really good at. Uh-huh. They wanted you to really feel 
mm-hmm. New York when I landed, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> Um, like checklist <laughs> yes that my mom I remember her taking me everywhere there's a picture of us I may have it if not she has it but we're standing on top of the World Trade Center uh-huh. so when 9-11 happened that mm-hmm. was one of the first things that came through to my head was I stood there yeah. with her so yeah. the other thing that they would do is they would even take us to the Bronx and show or like whenever anyone came to visit they uh-huh. would take tourists everywhere and they would even show them like the worst possible areas that's good. That's really good. Yeah, because anybody can just take a tour guide and go yeah. to good places. But we should see all of New York. You want to know New York, you got to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah the reality. Definitely, definitely. So the poem talked about basically what was dear to me in New York. And New York to me is one of my homes, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I haven't been back, I consider it a home. Mm-hmm. It shaped my life. And so my son took it and wrote a poem about Arizona. And, you know, speaking of feeling at home, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of swings you a little bit towards this is home and this is his home and he's proud of it. And he ended up, I think he got like third place at a poetry contest at school. So I don't know. It it filled my heart with joy. And at the same time, I was like, you little shit, you plagiarized (laughs) me. But but not really. (laughs) He made it better. So you inspired him. This is good. Yes. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. So I, I'm very careful not to, as much as I, I mean, I had my bad moments where I've tried to get them to, like, do things that I wish I would have done. Right, right. But not so much anymore. I, I want them to experience everything that they can and yeah. the more arts that they experience, music. I think that that just fills your life so much better. Everything yeah. else will come. Yeah. But you have to learn to live life. And even my little one, too. It's not the rarest thing to see him just walk by and grab a pen and take off running with a piece of paper because he thought of something. That's cool. He writes it. so That's great. Wonderful. If they get more publishings than me at some point, that's going to piss me off a little bit. <laughs> but I will also be proud because I love them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there is always that, isn't it? You are basically by procreating, making better versions of yourselves. Then you're like, I kind of want to live that life. Yeah. <laughs> In closing, I kind of want to know, tell the audience where they can go and see you read. I, I think you still read at First Fridays at Changing Hands, right? I do. That's mainly where I've been reading. Okay. I'm starting to try to venture out more mm-hmm. or at least even in workshops. Yeah. But that's mainly where I've I've been reading. Right. Like I said, I'm still I'm still somewhat early. I'm still learning a lot. I'm, I'm writing a lot, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at the point where I'm submitting a lot. Great. But I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, it's at Herman underscore Colores, uh-huh. and you know I kind of go in waves. Sometimes I tweet a lot. Sometimes I don't. And, yeah, yeah. But most of what I do in there, I, my Twitter is almost entirely poetry. Oh. So I don't I don't mix. I mean the the news comes in right, right. but it's mostly just literature or poetry mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm there to see what contemporary people are, are putting out and promoting other right, writers right yeah there's a lot of writers on Twitter mm-hmm. and I really enjoy that so cool so that's how people can follow you wonderful well thank you so much I really appreciate your time and discussing this and 
it's so nice to discover we have this New York link. This New York thing, yeah. Maybe <laughs> we can talk some more about it. And, yeah, absolutely. And jog memories. But absolutely. thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot, a lot of fun. Good, good. I'm glad. Yeah. I don't know that we followed any like linear thread, but that's probably because of me. Yeah, we never do. <laughs> this is pretty much in keeping with the <laughs> how we do things. But thanks. Thank you. And that concludes the Sunday, July 14th episode of Poets and Muses. As always, you can follow us on poetsandmuses.com or on our social media on Instagram, Twitter, as well as SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at the bottom of our poetsandmuses.com website or at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.